Hey everyone, this is Matt with 420 Ministries. Hebrews 13 closes out the time that we've had as we've been in a series for uh, the past number of weeks going through the book of Hebrews chapter by chapter and verse by verse. Monday of this week leading up to Thursday, Jesus landed something on my heart that was uh, convicting to myself personally that I also felt like was a word, not just for me in my own life, but was something that was supposed to be shared corporately of what it means to have holy eyesight and holy unbroken eye contact with the Lord. What it means to be a people that learn to behold Him, uh, learning to be changed into His image, into His likeness by learning to see Him and the enjoyment that there is with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in that place, and that I'm the pure in heart will see God. But I pray that the Word of God would speak to you, that Holy Spirit would move in your heart and mind, and that you would enjoy this message. Love you all, praying for you, and thank you for listening. So if you would, uh, grab your Bibles and open up to Hebrews chapter 13, please, or if you have your phones, open up to those. So Hebrews chapter 13, as we're closing this out, this is essentially like Paul is taking everything that we have been in in Hebrews 12, in, in Hebrews, the whole entire book actually. And you have to remember, this book was written to a group of men, women, and children who were coming out of, I mean, you want to talk about religious enslavement and an introduction into the new covenant? Like, Hebrews hits that nail on the head and goes after it. And so you have to understand that as this book is getting closed out, Paul essentially takes this final charge in Hebrews 13 to take almost a little bit of everything that he has talked about, and he's just putting it all in here as a closing statement. So if it sounds like it's being very vague, it's almost because like he's at the end of his letter, he's tying this up, he's packaging it to the church, and he's getting ready to leave. So, verse 1, no matter what, make room in your heart to love every believer and show hospitality to strangers, for they may be angels from God showing up as your guests. Identify with those who are in prison as though you were there suffering with them and those who are mistreated as if you could feel their pain. Can I share with you guys a really cool testimony really quick? So one of my favorite stories is from a guy named St. Francis of Assisi. I love this testimony. This gets me every time I hear it and every time I read it. St. Francis of Assisi um, was walking on the outskirts of this village town one day. And if you don't know who that is, just it, by, by the time you Google it and read it, it'll do a lot better job of that answer explaining it than me trying to unpack this. St. Francis of Assisi um, super, super old Christian man. He's on the outskirts of this village. He's getting water one day. And there was a leper colony not far from this village that St. Francis was in. And St. Francis at the time um, had a very big um, disliking in his heart towards the lepers and towards that community. He did not like them. He did not want anything to do with them. They were, as tradition says, they were unclean, and he did not want to be, as a high-ranking religious person, he did not want to be near anything unclean. So he's out getting water one day, and there's this um, leper that walks up to him 
ringing his bell, saying, hey, unclean. And St. Francis turns and sees him and is backing away from him and saying like, hey, like pr pretty much saying like, hey, get away from me. I don't want to be close to you. And then St. Francis hears the Lord say, he, and, and he's out there on his horse that he's riding, and he hears the Lord say, um, walk up to that leper and hug him. And St. Francis goes, I'm not going to hug this man that if I hug him, his disease is going to get on me. I don't want anything to do with this man. Like, I'm not going to hug this man that's in front of me that I, I literally, like in the natural, scientifically, I should avoid. And he says, he hears the, the voice of the Lord tell him again, get off your horse, put down your water, and hug this man. And the conviction was so deep in him he got close to this man and hugged him. And as he was hugging him, the, the Lord spoke to him again and said, now kiss him on his cheek. And St. Francis said, like, hey, the hug was one thing. I'm not, I'm not about to kiss this man on the cheek. Like, this is, that's not happening. The conviction became so heavy upon him. As he was hugging him, he kissed him. He turned around, gets on his horse, and gets ready to, to, to ride away. And as he turns around to walk away, he says that he turns back to look at the leper and the man, and the, and the man was gone. The leper d disappeared just out of thin air, was gone. And he said that he heard the voice of the Lord and said, as you have done unto him, you have done unto me. Thank you for receiving me so well. And it was the Lord himself that had come to St. Francis of Assisi in the middle of the desert as a poor and broken leper saying, will you hug me? Will you kiss me? Will you lay down yourself to me? And he disappeared out of, out of thin air. From that moment, it kicked off one of the largest leper ministries that the church at that time had ever seen from St. Francis of Assisi because of that encounter. If you Google it, there's other websites, like if you Google St. Francis of Assisi leper testimony, it'll come up. Um, there's a couple people that have it in different detail. That's like, but like, that's just, that's fascinating. In that moment, had he just ignored that, he literally would have missed the Lord himself. And sometimes there's times of when, if I'm just, if I'm walking around wherever I'm at, grocery store, the gym, the park here behind the church, my neighborhood, oftentimes when I'm walking around praying for people, feeling led to be, to be praying for them, and this, maybe, this is just sometimes a thought I have, I honestly wonder, I wonder if in my life I've ever met any angels and I just, I had, I had no idea of it. And I, and I just, I had no clue. Hebrews says like, Hey, by the way, I mean, if it's in there, if, if, if Paul felt need to include it, I have to believe that it was at least a common enough occurrence that he felt the need to record it. Like, hey, heads up, this might happen, by the way. So, I don't know, I just, I think that story, I think that testimony is fascinating. Identify with those, verse 3, identify with those who are in prison as though you were there suffering with them and those who are mistreated as if you could feel their pain. Honor the sanctity of marriage and keep your vows of purity to one another for God will judge, the sexual, will judge sexual immorality in any form, whether single or married. Don't be obsessed with money, but live content with what you have. For you always have God's presence. I think it's really interesting in this verse, by the way, that Paul, I keep saying Paul. Technically, we don't know who the author of Hebrews is, but 
I think it's interesting that the author says, don't be obsessed with money, live content with what you have, you always have God's presence. I think it's interesting that in the same sentence he links money, financial provision, presence of God, spiritual provision. It's almost like he's, he's placing this charge before you, which realm gets to dominate your life? Which realm do I live from heaven towards earth or earth towards heaven? Do I live from a problem into an answer or an answer into a problem? And I think it's fascinating that in the same sentence, he highlights the importance of like, hey, don't be obsessed with money. By the way, the presence of God is actually all that you need. And the word goes on, for, he, for hasn't he promised you, I will never leave you, never, and I will not loosen my grip on your life. Man, if that verse is not a theme for what has been happening in this room tonight, I don't know what is. So we can say with great confidence, I know the Lord is for me, and I will never be afraid of what people may do to me. Don't forget the example of your spiritual leaders who have spoken God's messages to you. Take a close look at how their lives ended and then follow their walk of faith. Jesus, the anointed one, is always the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't let anyone lead you astray with all sorts of novel and exotic teachings. It is more beautiful to feast on grace and be inwardly strengthened than to be obsessed with dietary rules which in themselves have no lasting benefit. So it is better to be focused on the unchanging God rather than religious systems, do's and don'ts, that will profit you nothing. And here's something that I wanna explain. I wanna sit down in this verse for a minute. Don't let anyone lead you astray with all sorts of novel and exotic teachings. Why shouldn't I do that? Because Jesus, in verse 8, Jesus the anointed one is always the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many of you in here, you've been praying through something, praying for something, asking the Lord for clarity on something, and you just say, you just feel like, hey, like the Lord has not spoken. I can't get him to speak into this given area, like no matter what. Like I've, I'm praying for something. I'm not hearing the answer that I want, or I'm not hearing an answer at all. I have been praying for direction in this, and I don't have any wisdom yet. How many, how many of you would say that that's you? I would encourage you in that place Go back to where you last heard the Lord. Where have you last left off with him? What did he last say to you? What was the posture? What was the language? How did you feel when it came over you? What happened in your mind? Were you challenged? Were you convicted? Were you inspired? Oftentimes, my wisdom and direction for the future and, and, and the answer Within those things, my, the, the wisdom and the direction that I need for the future is directly attached to the way that I have stewarded and cherished and jealously guarded the presence of God and the words of God and the voice of God that spoke before I ever got to that moment that I needed wisdom, direction, and discernment. Does that make sense when I say it that way? Let me, let me say it a little bit differently. I don't allow the acts of God to reveal the ways of God. The acts of God are he's in the desert with the Israelites, feeding them by birds, leading them by a pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day. Those are acts of God. 
And the Israelites are wanting to know the ways. How are we going to do this? How are we going get, to get there? How are we going to make this happen? There was so much confusion. They didn't know the way was going to, they didn't know the way that something was going to happen because they were not giving attention to his acts. His acts reveal his ways. If I'm in a place of where I'm needing direction, clarity, and understanding, the Lord has not changed from what he left off. And oftentimes, I'm waiting for the narrative to change. I'm waiting for the language to change. I'm waiting, waiting for a different door to open. Have I stewarded what was said back here? And have I given thoughtful attention and reverence and surrender to it? The Lord is not flippant and he doesn't have ADHD. Like he's, he's not going to say one thing here and then all of a sudden it's two weeks later. I'm, I'm always concerned a little bit. I, I, can, I can get down with this a little bit. There's a part of me, and I used to think that this was amazing and this was scandalous and be like, wow, you must really hear from the Lord. I get nervous when I hear someone tell me, the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that, and it's changing every two weeks. And if that's the season that you're in, that's beautiful and that's fine. You better steward that thing until you can steward it no more. What I'm learning in this season is when I personally, this is me now, when I go to be with the Lord asking him this or that, here or there, like how does this get worked? The Lord is saying, Matthew, I haven't changed from what was spoken literally at the end of last year. I, I, haven't, I literally haven't changed my mind. The song may be getting bored to you. It's, it's really not old to me. The rhythm, you may want a different rhythm. I literally have not changed. What is, what is, well, I've been in this season for forever. In the natural realm and in earth, yes, like it looks like it's, it's been months and years. It has been a blink of an eye to me. And, and when you get onto the other side of eternity, you will understand that. But I literally have not changed what I've said over here. And oftentimes, my zeal to move on and get to something else testifies that he and what he said back here is actually not good enough and not enough for me. And we're not the only ones to do that. Israel got to a point of where manna from heaven, I think it would be awesome, like, like I would love to have a raven come, like, feed me bread from heaven into my mouth, like, just once, like, that'd be pretty awesome. Like, I don't really know how that gets old, but then at the same time, Am I not guilty of it all the time? If, if I was to read John 3.16 right now, any one of you that have been raised in church, you're going to be like, like, I don't even really need to open to that. But if I was to just open up to John 3.16 right now and that would be our text, am I still being fed from that? Is the bread and the blood on that scripture still warm for me? And so I believe when Jesus says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, a couple things in this. I will never know how to get there with the Lord if I have not stewarded what is here with him. Maybe the Lord doesn't want you digging a well in that new opportunity with those new people, with that new thing. The here and right now in that moment, what are you doing with what, we, with what he has given you in this moment? Are you stewarding it? And then another thing, I know this may seem silly to harp on this seeing as the, the culture that we're in right now and the way that we operate. And if, you are, if, this is, if, if you're not new to Thursday nights, then this will be repeat for you. A culture that does not give place and give honor to the miracle signs and wonders of God 
but then says, that was then and this is now. You have not walked through the New Testament torn veil and you are on the Old Covenant side. Because to not honor the workings of God the Holy Spirit, it's, remember, it's, it is God the Holy Spirit. It's not just the Spirit. It's, it's, it's not just the tingly or the goosebumps. It is the holy and reverent, perfect God the Holy Spirit that performs miracles. And to not give place to those, make room for those, to not freely operate in those. Imagine, this is, this is a horrible example, but it'll be personal enough for, for some of you. Imagine having children or a niece or a nephew or, a, or, or a, 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 a little kid or a little girl that you've babysit and you just immediately shut them down saying, like, hey, do not be that part of you. You don't get to be that. Any one of you, imagine if someone just walked up to you and, and said, the part that you love most about you, don't, yeah, don't do that here. That's weird. Like, just take a back seat and sit down. That's strange. We don't like that we can't understand that. You'd be like, man, I'm never going back there ever again. Is when God the Holy Spirit is ushered into a room, is carried into a room, think about that. Your life will take on a totally different meaning if, if you if we recognize and realize we are carriers and releasers of the presence of God. He rests upon you, is with you. Our life will find a, a whole new lane of purpose and meaning when we find out we are a carrier of the presence of God. He is in you and with you right now, upon you. If I read Hebrews 9, I'm sorry, Hebrews 8, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And my theology can't fit through this, this needle of where miracles, signs, and wonders still happen. You simply, we just, you just need to go be with him. You just need to go be with him. Or let him offend your mind in order to get to your heart. Let him offend your mind to get to your heart. There, guys, there's miracle signs, and wonders that I've seen that even now, still to this day, my theology has no grid for. I just look at that and I'm like, why? Like that, doesn't even, like that doesn't even make sense to me. But it happened. And I have to answer for that. I can either bow down to my understanding or I can bow down to a holy word that has been tested and tried and someone has given their life for King Jesus to prove its validity and truthfulness. Verse 10. We feast on a sacrifice at our spiritual altar, but those who serve as priests in the old system of worship have no right to eat it. For the high priest carries the blood of animals into the holiest chamber as a sacrifice for sin and then burns the bodies of the animals outside the city. And Jesus, our sin sacrifice, I think it's funny that the blood of Jesus was spilled inside of the city and his body was crushed and broken outside of it. And Jesus, our sins, he also bled outside of it, but you know what I mean? And Jesus, our sin sacrifice, also suffered death outside the city walls to make us holy by his own blood. So we must arise and join him outside the religious walls and bear his disgrace. 
For we have no city here on earth to be our permanent home, but we seek the city that is destined to come. So we no longer offer up a steady stream of blood sacrifices, but through Jesus we will offer up to God a steady stream of praise sacrifices. One of the reasons as to why we are here, to fulfill this right here. If you're, if you're asking why a Thursday night, why a Wednesday morning, because we are the bride that is going to be found ushering in the bridegroom saying, come. These are the lambs, streams of praise sacrifices. These are the lambs we offer from our lips that celebrate his name. We will show mercy to the poor and not miss an opportunity to do acts of kindness for others. For these are the true sacrifices that delight God's heart. Obey your spiritual leaders and recognize their authority, for they keep watch over your soul without resting, since they will have to give an account to God for their work. So it will benefit you when you make their work a pleasure and not a heavy burden. Every volunteer in church needs to read that verse. (laughs) Sorry, that was a super petty comment. And I can tell by the lack of laughs that it got that maybe it wasn't appropriate. I'm kind of sorry. (laughs) And keep praying for us that we continue to live with a clear conscience. For we desire to live honorably in all that we do. And I especially ask you to pray that God would send me back to you very soon. Now may God... Now may the God who brought us peace by raising from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ so that he would be the great shepherd of his flock and by the power of the blood of the eternal covenant. He work perfection into every part of you, giving you all that you need to fulfill your destiny. How many of you know that you are not the source of your life? And I think it's amazing. Clay offered it tonight in that word of exhortation that the desire to love God, honor God, please God. Amazing, beautiful, don't ever, don't ever lose that. But the second that my zeal, and this sounds so backwards, but like the, the second that my zeal turns into, I begin to say that how much I love him, but it's really a zeal that says, I'm going to prove something to you. I think that you have forgotten who's actually holding on to you. You are not holding on to him in this relationship. In, in any healthy marriage, this applies to if every, and by the way, every single one of you in here are married. Even if, it's, even if it's not in the natural, every single one of you in here are married. In any healthy marriage, it is the husband's responsibility to give his wife a pursuit to respond to. Super old Christian teacher named Thomas Watson. He has this message called the mystical union. And he says in this message, if you walked into a diner and saw a husband and spouse sitting there and they're just like fighting the whole meal, the wife is upset, the husband looks disinterested in sitting there, you'd be like, Man, what a, like, what a horrible marriage. Why, like, what, what is going on in that? Like, look how unhappy that woman is. Look how unhappy that man is. 
The representation of the marriage testifies and prophesies to the very onlookers the delights and pleasures of it therein, or lack thereof. And pretty much he goes on to say, the marriage testifies of the goodness of the one that they are actually married to. It would, and, he, and he goes on to say, it would be strange, it would be weird to see that marriage and to just be like, man, this is, this is wildly unhealthy. Something is not right here. That does not testify to the goodness and righteousness of Jesus Christ. And the good news, though, praise God, is that every one of you, man and woman in here, has been eternally married to the bridegroom king, Jesus Christ. And the good news is that think back to the best day you've ever had with him. Like, think of the best day, best moment, best exchange you've ever had with him. Like, a day that it was like, man, that was the best day ever. From that moment, he's never changed. And he's actually getting better because you're going from glory to glory. And if you're wondering, well, that can't possibly be true, go back to Hebrews 13.8. He never changes. Your best day with him is a prophesying stream of how he desires to be with you all the time. It's not wishful thinking. It's the gospel. May he express through you all that is excellent and pleasing to him through your life union with Jesus, the anointed one, who is to receive all glory forever. Amen. Closing verses right here. My dear brothers and sisters, I urge you to let your spirits flow through this message of love that I've written to you in these few words. I want you to know that our brother Timothy is free again, and as soon as he arrives here, we'll come together to see you. We extend our greetings to all your leaders and all the holy believers. The Italian believers also send their greetings. Now may God's wonderful grace be poured out upon you all. Amen. I love those closing statements from Paul as he closes out different letters. It's just like it makes it, it's just really personal. It's like an inside look into their mind of what is important to them in that moment. A couple of things I want to share as we close this, and we're getting ready to finish right now. In Matthew 6.22 and in Matthew 5.8, there's, there's two different verses. We don't have time to turn there and unpack them, but I just want to dive into them. This week, the Lord, on, on Monday, I felt like put on my heart what I was supposed to close out this time with and close out this series of Hebrews with. And the phrase and like the unctioning, the, the thing that kept coming to me was the holiness of my eyesight to him. What am I looking at? What is getting my attention? And I'm, not, and I'm not talking about what am I looking at as far as like immoral, sinful things, but like literally what gets my attention in the secret place. What, we, we've talked about this before. The secret place is not just the closet that you go to to be with the Lord. The secret place is found within. And Matthew 5 and Matthew 6, the pure in heart will see God. The pure in heart will see God. And then let me, look, let me pull up this other verse real quick as we're closing this out. Let's just stick with that one first right now. As the pure in heart will see God, as we're closing out Hebrews, this hit me on Monday of this reverence and this holiness to as we are a culture here 
at 420 that talks a lot about beholding the Lord. Beholding the Lord, learning to behold him. Practicing that. What does that look like? Having intentional time set aside to that. I believe that when the word says the pure in heart will see God, and then also the other verse is the eye is the lamp of the body, I want to challenge you this week as you go, is that, and, I do, and I'm asking that you would not hear this in a way that you take on religious baggage as, as you leave here. Just because I don't see it, like if I, if I don't like, just because I don't see something in front of me doesn't mean that I don't have the capacity to see it. As Matthew goes on, the word says, if a man even looks lustfully at a woman, then he's already committed adultery with her in his heart. What does that tell me? The imagination and spirit realm is more real than the natural. It literally means there's something in my imagination, in my spirit, in my daydreams, in what I casually give attention to throughout the day that is actually more real than the actual doing of these things. That should, um, I, I hope that that would put, that needs to put a little bit of a holy reverence in us for a people that become single eye for Jesus. The good news of that, I know that that's a really hard verse to try to share. I'm, this is, this is try, I'm trying to have this be good news, by the way. The good news in that is that the unseen is more real than the seen. And so when I give attention to things that are unseen, I come in here, why are you worshiping for so long? What are we practicing? What are we going after? We are practicing developing eyesight that literally learns to see, behold, and engage the Lord because that is the lamp of my body. And if the pure in heart see God, which by the way, if you are born again, you're in this room and you're born again, according to scripture, you actually have a new heart. This goes back to the very beginning of what I said, which is why you should care for it and handle it with care. Handle it with care. And I'm, I used to hate messages like this, but I'm seeing the importance of it, and I feel like I'm about to sound like a, a youth pastor on like some youth retreat with a bunch of high school students, and I hate that, but at the same time, I don't know how else to package it in a way that doesn't make sense. If I do things with my time that I know would grieve him, just straight up, I should not be doing them. Just plain and simple. I should not be doing them. I shouldn't be watching them. I shouldn't be listening to them. I shouldn't be encouraging others to do that. This is not a message of morality. This is not a right and wrong gospel. This is a spirit and truth gospel. This is a life and death gospel, not a right and wrong gospel. Remember, Jesus took on the tree of knowledge of good and evil took it upon himself, the curse, and destroyed it. There are no longer two trees in the garden. There is one that we cling to, Jesus Christ. There is a desire, I believe, in the heart of Jesus to purify his bride to a holy and spotless bride that has their sole attention given to him. And we do this in the most subtle of ways, Church growth, amazing thing, beautiful thing. Just because your church is growing doesn't mean it's healthy. Cancer grows too. Cancer spreads all the time. Doesn't mean it's healthy. Just because we've got growth, great. 
You could be growing yourself straight into orphanhood and death if you don't know how to behold him. Diseases grow all the time. Well, I'm, 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 I'm more on fire than I've, than I've ever been in my life. Praise God. Do not let anything disrupt that. It's, it's worth handling with care. Handling with care. And this is not a, you shouldn't leave. Sometimes after a long day, like, all, all, all that I want to do is watch a funny movie with Brandy or run up and down the hallways of our house with Conrad and scream. He's getting very loud now. Everything is very loud, and it's awesome. But it's like, I just want to, like, act like an idiot with him or go out with friends and act like, and act like a fool. I forget who said it, but someone way before me once said, the glory of God is seen in a man fully alive, fully enjoying his life. The glory of God is seen in a man such as that. I'm not going to fill in the blanks of like this, this, and that. Probably shouldn't do those things because this is not a message of morality. I'm asking that a, a holy and pure conviction would come back into the church of where the wor words like repentance, words like, words like confession, these are, repentance, by the way, according to scripture, is a gift, by the way. It's not a burden. Scripture is very clear. Repentance is a gift. Those words would be things that are like, they all point to the fact like, no, he's just jealous enough for me. He wants my attention. He's just jealous enough for me that he might have something better than what I'm about to click on, listen to, watch, give attention to. And not making it so much in the natural things I'm doing in the natural, but the way I think about someone, something, or a situation. You, it, it, you're giving your attention to it. You're giving your attention to it. My church has all of these problems. My church has, guys, we have problems here. Like, come on. Like, we, we, like we're, we're a growing and learning culture. Like, we have, we have problems and things that we're ironing out. But if I do not give to the person that is in the midst of those problems my full and undivided attention, I will become problem obsessed, and all of a sudden you become a church hopper because no church is right for you. You're never going to find a right church. You're always, there's always going to be churches with problems because they're people that are trying to figure it out and trying to learn how to do it together. Just how much is Jesus prioritized in their midst, in your midst? What are you giving attention to? The eye is the lamp of the body and the pure in heart will see God. I believe that those are right now verses. Some people would say, oh, that's talking about the millennia when Jesus returns and it's I believe that we write way too many things off for later when they are now things because we don't want the accountability and stewardship of our lives right now. Well, that's to come. No, you just want permission to live a lukewarm life when he's actually jealous for you and all you are is a runaway bride. I know it's a Christmas song, but fall on your knees. Oh, hail the King of glory. I'm asking that you would receive this tonight as this is not a rebuke, this is not correction, this is just like on Monday I felt a holiness and a reverence of the Lord just say, holy eyesight, holy eyesight. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Stand to your feet with me. Sorry, I kept you a little long. It's 9.03, but we're done. Jesus, thank you for tonight. Lord, I pray if there's anything that I said tonight that was not filtered through a new covenant filter of, of grace and through just the new covenant period. 
do a better job than what I could ever do and sort it out in people's hearts and minds as they leave here before they get home and before they lay down tonight. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. It is not religious and overbearing and aggravating. If we are those things, it's 100% of the time probably us. Reveal those things. Heal those things. Comfort us in those things. Let us know where we end and you begin. Lord, we thank you for the book of Hebrews. As we've been in this journey and as we've been in this series, thank you for every chapter, every verse, every letter. You saw fit that we would be gathering on this time to close out this book together. Anything that we have read from it, please help us carry it into our weeks into the months following, and as we dive into what it is that you have next for us in your word, that we would jealously guard it and you would give us wisdom and revelation of it. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you are incredibly, my gosh, you're so patient with me and you're so kind. You have patience that is like just laughable out of just, it cannot be exhausted. How, how grateful I am. I publicly declare how gracious, how grateful I am for your patience with me. Thank you. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for walking with us, discipling us, and fathering us. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, see you all next week.